Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. We are into week two of early voting, so there's a lot going on, and I got a great guest I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about the issues that are going on and why it matters to vote, why it matters who is on the Supreme Court, not only at the U.S. Supreme Court level, but the state level, and really any court for that matter. If you care about the issues of faith, family, and freedom, that's what we talk about on this show. And that relates to the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And that's what we do here at Texas Values. And, you know, look, we do a lot of work to educate people about elections. You can see on the back of my laptop if you're watching on Facebook. And if you're watching on Facebook, share this, like it, uh, post it to some groups. We're going to be on for about half an hour. We're going to be talking to a good friend of ours and then also some commentary of some different work that we're doing. But we want to drive that number up while we're during this program. This is a part of our weekly radio show broadcast that's been broadcasting for over four years here in the state of Texas. And we're excited about that. But on the back of my laptop, you can see a link to the the website freevotersguide.com. This is free information. It's good information. It's church-friendly information if you want to know where the candidates stand on these issues. And there's more going on than the presidential. Even though there's a lot to say about what's happening at the presidential level, there's no doubt. There are races all the way down the ballot, so you want to find out where those candidates stand on these issues. And if you're a party person, you're no longer going to see straight party voting. So you're going to have to know a little bit about these candidates and to go all the way down the ballot if you want to do that. And so, um, so, um, and I think we're having a little bit of uh, technical problem on our Mevo. I think it needs to be unmuted. I'm just trying... Um, talking with our technical folks to make sure we're good on that end. But uh, look, um, important what's happening across the country on these issues related to election. It's important what's happening as it relates to issues of faith, family, and freedom. And someone who knows a lot about issues related to law and policy on issues of faith, family, and freedom, and who knows what's going on at not only the federal level, the U.S. Supreme Court level, but also at the state and local level. That's our friend, good friend Jonathan Mitchell. Jonathan Mitchell is a lawyer not only um, in the state of Texas and, and all across the country that's been involved in the work that we do. He's been involved in numerous cases at the Texas Supreme Court, at the U.S. Supreme Court. He's... Uh, you know, he clerked on the U.S. Supreme Court for the late Justice Scalia, and he's seen a whole lot of different things um, on these issues. And so that's why we're excited today on the Texas Values Report to be talking to Jonathan Mitchell, who is a Supreme Court lawyer and an expert on these issues. Mr. Mitchell, as I like to call you, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. So, you know, I, a little bit on your intro, I'm sure you could hear all that. We could spend half the program talking about some of the work that you've done uh, in the past, but I want to talk about some of the work that you're doing now. Before we get into some of the court cases, I know one of the things that's been talked about a lot this week and we're going to hear talked about next week is the U.S. Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, a lot's been made of um, her nomination. I mean, really, a lot of good things have been said. The Senate has now moved her nomination forward, and so that's up for a vote. We're hearing a vote could be as early as, as Monday. Uh, a lot of people feel like she's one of the most qualified jurists and judges to be nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, what are your thoughts on her and how the process has been playing out? Yeah, she's certainly qualified, as you say, and in reading her scholarship and reading the opinions she's written during her short time as a judge on the 
U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, it seems pretty clear that she has a textualist constitutional philosophy, and that will be helpful in rolling back some of the decisions we've been getting from the Supreme Court over the last 50 years or so. Well, and it's important the type of judge that's nominated. And look, elections have consequences, as people say a lot. And so, you know, uh, President Trump gets to nominate someone. This is the third, excuse me, the third judge that he's been able to nominate during his time period as uh, as president. And you know, and that's what you get to do, right? And in the Democrat stage, somewhat of a opposition or a protest by not showing up to the committee hearing. But that didn't stop Senator John Cornyn and Senator Ted Cruz and many others from casting a vote, moving that nomination forward. The votes are there, as they're saying, in the U.S. Senate. And it seems like a lot of the criticism has sort of died down a little bit. Um, and because, look, there's an important election that's going on. But that Supreme Court seat is a reminder of a reason for people to go vote. And I think that it's fair to say you're going to see a huge difference between what a Trump nomination would look like and what a Biden nomination would look like. And whether or not, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is the one that's going to overturn Roe versus Wade, so to speak, or that vote, that's certainly something that appears, you know, more likely with someone with her background uh, being willing to acknowledge that Roe versus Wade has a lot of problems. Yeah, we don't know ultimately how she'll vote on the issue of overruling Roe against Wade. And she really won't be, I think, the key vote on that question. It will be more John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh. They're the ones who would be the fulcrum of the court if Judge Barrett were to be confirmed. But you're right to point out when you cast your ballot for president, you're not just voting for the president. You're also electing the composition of the federal judiciary that goes with that. And that was very salient four years ago where you had a Supreme Court vacancy in existence at the time on Election Day. And we all knew that the next president would fill that Supreme Court seat. This year, it's a little bit different because Judge Barris expected to be confirmed before the election. You don't actually have a vacancy on the Supreme Court. But there will be vacancies that arise on the lower federal courts over the next four years, regardless of who wins. And the president and the Senate will decide how those get filled. And one of the big differences between the political parties right now is the type of judges that they would appoint. That's been very clear from the last four years, you compare President Trump's nominees to the type of nominees you get from President Obama. Profound differences both in constitutional philosophy, how the document should be interpreted, whether it should be interpreted according to what it says, a textualist view, or do you have a judge that embraces more of a living constitution mindset that gives judges a whole lot more leeway to impose constitutional rights that can't really be found in the text of the document? No, there's no question. Okay, so for our Facebook friends that are watching, I'm just going to show you all I am going to share this post right now to make sure that uh, more people get this. And so I'm encouraging you to do the same because we've got a great conversation. We're going to continue with Jonathan Mitchell, and we want as many people to be a part of it as possible. You can go right now on Facebook and do that. Mr. Mitchell, as I like to call you, Jonathan, since we're both Jonathan, uh, look, you mentioned about the importance of the elections and the difference between the type of judges that will be appointed. You've been to the U.S. Supreme Court, right? You you clerked there. You were the solicitor general for the state of Texas. You've all, um, also argued at the Texas Supreme Court. You've been in, in court cases at some of the highest levels. I mean, and not that it's political in nature who these judges are, but it matters the type of judge and the philosophy, the judicial philosophy to have the right people in these positions so that the law can be respected, it can be upheld um, when necessary, and that you don't have judges making law from the bench. Right. And we've been seeing this from the Supreme Court over the last 50 years. There are many decisions they've issued where they're 
imposing constitutional rights or what they claim to be constitutional rights or doctrines that have nothing to do with what the Constitution actually says. And a lot of times they're basing this in their own precedent. So uh, in a way, sometimes judicial precedent has been elevated over the text of the Constitution itself. And in the course of their rulings, they attempt to justify what they've done, uh, not by reference to what the Constitution says, but by reference to what they've said in their own previous cases. But precedent is a judicial creation. It's hard for that to be a legal basis to justify a decision standing alone because the precedent's a creation of the court, and the precedent isn't binding on the court. The Supreme Court's allowed to overrule its own precedent, whereas it can't overrule the text of the Constitution. So, again, we'll see how things go with uh, if Judge Barrett is confirmed. Will that shift the Supreme Court's approach? Will the Supreme Court leave the past decisions that it's made in place on stare decisis grounds, concerns for respect for precedent, or will it be more willing to reconsider some of those cases? We don't really know. The cases need to be brought, I and mean, we won't find out until people start bringing these sorts of cases, getting them up to the Supreme Court and seeing what the court will do. Well, and look, in, during this time period, we're giving a lot of good information to churches, letting them know what their rights are, because a lot of churches are afraid to end up in court. They're afraid that they don't have certain rights. We've got a great website set up, freevotersguide.com, or you can go to our main website, txvalues.org. Find out. Look for that churches and elections document, because churches have rights. They don't need to be worried about ending up in court. The law is on your side. You can talk about the importance of elections. You can talk about where the candidates stand. A ton of freedom as it relates to these issues. And I know another thing that I want to talk about, the life issue, has really drawn a lot of attention during this election cycle. And, you know, speaking of courts and judges and court cases, uh, Jonathan, there's a case that that we're involved in where you're the lead counsel on this issue in a very important lawsuit against the city of Austin. There are city elections, too. Uh, and a lot of people are concerned about the direction of the city of Austin. Tell us a little bit about that lawsuit that relates to an important life issue. Yeah, so the city of Austin a few years ago decided to spend taxpayer money making gifts to abortion assistance organizations. So these weren't money that they were providing to abortion clinics themselves or abortion providers, but to organizations that help people obtain abortions by providing logistical support, transportation, child care, and those sorts of things. And the city of Austin spent this money thinking that it would be consistent with the state law that recently banned any local government in Texas from giving money to abortion providers. So they tried to find a way around this by not giving money to the providers, but by giving money to these ancillary organizations that don't provide the abortion itself, but only provide logistical support. Texas Values, your organization, is the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit that we filed a few months ago against the city of Austin, claiming that this is a violation of the pre-Roe against Wade statutes that criminalize all abortion and that criminalize acts that aid and abet abortion, which have never been repealed. So a well, lot it, of times people think, go ahead. I want, to, I want to stop you for just a second. We're talking with Jonathan Mitchell, a Supreme Court lawyer and expert. He's clerked on the U.S. Supreme Court for Justice Scalia. He was the solicitor general of the state of Texas, the lawyer tasked with arguing cases in court and in the highest courts, including the U.S. Supreme Court. You mentioned an important point about Roe versus Wade. A lot's been talked about with Amy Coney Barrett's nomination. Is Roe versus Wade going to stand? Is this going to be a win for the pro-life movement, so to speak, if she's confirmed? And a lot of people have been talking about this. First of all, Roe versus Wade was a decision out of Texas. And second of all, the, the statutes that relate to that were never taken off the books in the state of Texas. And that's why it's important what's going on with this lawsuit on that issue. That's right. So Texas has never repealed its statutes to criminalize abortion. They're still on the books. The Supreme Court said in Roe against Wade that the statutes were unconstitutional, but that doesn't veto or formally repeal the statutes. A lot of times people use terminology such as struck down. They'll say the Supreme Court struck down the law. That's a misnomer. Right? The Supreme Court has no power 
to formally erase a statute. All the Supreme Court can do is decide a case or controversy between named litigants. And if the Supreme Court says, we think the statute's unconstitutional in the course of resolving this case or controversy, it just means that in that particular case, the Supreme Court has chosen not to enforce the statute. It doesn't mean that the statute is gone. And of course, the Supreme Court can always change its mind about what the Constitution means in some future case, which means the laws can then be enforced again without needing to be reenacted. So these statutes still exist as law. It's not accurate to say that abortion is legal in Texas. It is still illegal under state law across the board unless the mother's life is in danger. It's still illegal under state law to aid or abet an abortion. All the Supreme Court's decision in Roe means is that the federal judiciary at this point in time is unlikely to uphold a criminal conviction obtained under those statutes for as long as the Supreme Court adheres to this idea that abortion is somehow a constitutional right. Getting back to the city of Austin, they are violating the state's pre-Roe against Wade statutes because they are aiding and abetting an illegal act by giving taxpayer money to abortion assistance organizations. And we've brought a lawsuit on behalf of Texas Values and some other plaintiffs that seeks to enjoin this expenditure of taxpayer money because it's still illegal under state law for them to be doing this. And there's no constitutional obstacle to enforcing the state's abortion laws in this particular situation because the Supreme Court has specifically held that there's no constitutional right to taxpayer funding of abortion. So well, those cases are working their way. Go ahead. And where did some of that money come from? I know that's not the basis of the lawsuit, if you will. But and look, Texas Value, our offices are in Austin. OK, we we office in the city of Austin. Some of our members of our team live in the city of Austin. We care about what happens locally. And I mean, it's been well reported that I think the number was one hundred and fifty million dollars of funding removed from law enforcement, from the police. And some of that money is what's being used or, or you could argue is being used now going in the direction for the abortion movement. So you're taking money away from public safety and giving it to entities that are part of helping women in the life of innocent human beings in the womb. And so that's what you're getting in Austin. I mean, if you think about for the voters out there, right, there are city of Austin elections. You need to make sure your voice is heard on this issue because this is what you're getting with the government right now. And look, sometimes you can't wait for elections or you don't know how the elections are going to turn out. That's why that's one of the things we do is not only educate people about the elections, we get involved in these court matters. And, and you know, the city of Austin had to be called out and challenged on this issue. And it's going to be real interesting to see where it goes legally. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions that this case could go. One of the important points that we're trying to drive home with this lawsuit is to remind everyone, not just the judges we're litigating this case in front of, but just the general public, that the state's criminal prohibition on abortion is still on the books. It hasn't been repealed. And a lot of abortion providers, a lot of abortion assistance organizations are suffering under this, what I call the writ of erasure fallacy. They think that somehow those laws have actually been erased. They're no longer existing because of what the Supreme Court said in Roe against Wade. But if the Supreme Court overrules Roe against Wade, they have been violating state law for the last 50 years while Roe against Wade's been on the books. And there's nothing to stop them from being criminally prosecuted for what they're doing right now in violation of state law if for some reason the Supreme Court decides to overrule Roe against Wade in the future. So a lot of abortion providers – and this is only in states that haven't repealed the statutes. Some states have repealed their pre-Roe against Wade statutes to outlaw abortion, states like New York, states like California. But in Texas, a lot of the other states in the south and the Midwest these statutes are still on the books, and people who are violating those statutes are potentially exposing themselves to legal jeopardy if it turns out the Supreme Court no longer has their back. 
Yeah, well, look, that's a great point. And we're talking with Jonathan Mitchell, who former Solicitor General of the state of Texas. Okay, this is a legal position, primarily appellate lawyers that are involved with this type of issue. And so, uh, Jonathan Mitchell, you're doing great work. We're so thankful that you're a part of representing us on this matter before the city of Austin. And we're going to see how things end up turning out. Um, in this case. But look, it's just a reminder of how important it is to have the right type of judges in these positions and to make sure that we have uh, our voice heard on these type of issues as well. And so we'll have updates moving forward. But Jonathan Mitchell, it's great doing work with you. And thank you again for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thanks so much. Well, look, I mean, I... You know, Jonathan's got he's got several things he's working on today. He's got to run. But we've got other updates we want to make sure that you're aware of. Okay, And so, look, I mean, we're in the middle of a very busy election cycle. okay? and in regards to that, there are I mean, we're in the week two of early voting. okay? and so if you look at where we are on these type of issues, there are reports. I mean, we might be close to 50 percent of the people voted already. I mean, think about that. 50% 50% of the people. Last time, four years ago, when there was an election cycle, we had about 60% total, Republican and Democrat. And so, um, you know, whether or not, I mean, I think we're going to shatter some records on this issue. And I don't know what the end, uh, the number's going to be. And um, But I know that uh, we're going to find out who wins one way or another. And if you want your voice heard, you've got to be involved um, in this election. And so... Um, but there's still time. So if you're thinking, boy, I haven't voted yet, you know, am, am I out of time? I mean, what's going to happen? Um, there's still time to go vote, and there's really plenty of time. I mean, you've got a full week left of early voting next week. Then you've got Election Day. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of elections in my time. And I know that sometimes, you know, people can think, well, maybe I'm going to sit this one out. Do not sit this one out. Okay. I've seen elections decided by one vote. It seems, you know, unusual or unlikely to happen. It happens all the time. Elections decided by one vote. And so don't be that person to wake up and go, man, if I would have voted. Because it's not just about the presidential. Why the presidential is important, um, there are races up and down the ballot that matter on these type of issues. So you've got uh, Texas Senate, you've got Texas House, you've got city council races, you've got school board races, you've got state board of education. And, um, you know, look, this is uh, this is your community, right? This is your state. Um, you need to be in touch with what's happening. And we've got great resources. If you check out freevotersguide.com, we've got great information to where you can find out where the candidates stand on these issues. Freevotersguide.com, great information on these type of issues. And so we want to make sure that you get that information. And look, if you need uh, local candidate race information, talk to people that you trust in your community and on these issues. Um, email our office. We've got a lot of information as it relates to some of the local candidates. But look, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of city in the state of Texas. So it's kind of hard to cover all those races. But ask your church to, to put out reminders about the elections. Tell them to make a pulpit announcement. We've got some great resources on our website, txvalues.org, where you can find more about that. You can find out about what your legal rights are on those issues. Um, and so, you know, th- this is not a time to think, you know what, I don't know who all the candidates are. 
and just get frustrated or overwhelmed by all the information or to get caught up in the back and forth at the federal level with President Trump and Biden and and just uh, feel like you really aren't sure what to do. There's a lot of good information out there that you can use. We've got some of that. But speaking of, look, I mean, there's, you know, the the presidential issue is a big deal. Okay, you think about the amount of people that the president nominates um, uh, on different issues and agencies, the people that end up being a part of that. They can have a tremendous impact on policy, on the direction of our country and your own personal legal rights. You think about what's happening with some of the churches and some of the work um, that we've been doing to make sure churches can be protected, that they can continue to stay open. All right. And you might think, you know, well, I, I, it might not be a good idea for me to talk about these issues at church. It's legal to do that. It's legal for churches to be able to talk about these issues um, on Sunday, on any day. And so w- if you want people to know that it's important to go vote, if you want people to know that they should you know, consider the biblical principles and where the candidates stand on biblical issues like in its human life, like the definition of marriage, all those are important issues that you want to make sure that they're aware of. And so, uh, but we got a great resource too where you can do that, freevotersguide.com. But there's a lot of things that we've been working on here, too, locally. There's been issues at Leander Independent School District. They're on the ballot. There are members of the school board that are on that ballot. If you want to have an impact on that issue, um, I mentioned the city of Austin, and there's other cities where we have had some issues come up. School boards, we have been involved um, on these issues at the school board for quite some time at the State Board of Education. We put out a letter a week or so ago for the Texas Association of School Boards to make sure that people know where the law is related to a Supreme Court decision called Bostock related to sexual orientation and gender identity. We think that the, the advice that the Texas Association of School Board has been giving to, you know, a thousand school districts across the state of Texas is not accurate. We put a letter out about that. That's on our website. It's on our social media channels. It relates to some people trying to push sexual orientation, and gender identity policies, and it's not required. And it doesn't uh, connect and line up with state law and so or federal law. So that's a big part of where our concern has lied and, and why we've been trying to get the word out. And so we heard back uh, that, you know, that our letters were getting received. And so I believe there's going to be some more attention on this issue. All right. And so we're not done with this at all. Um, so I want to make sure that you're aware of that. But that's why these school board races matter. That's why these city council races matter. And so there's a week of early voting left. And then the main election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. But don't wait. Don't wait to only have one or two days left. Who knows? Something might happen, right? Your car may break down. Somebody may have to go to the hospital. Um, you may have something come up your home. There could be a variety of reasons that you end up not being able to vote. And you don't want to be one of the few people left because we might see turnout over 80%. I don't know that we've ever seen that. If we have, it's been quite some time. So you want to take a look at that information. Go to freevotersguide.com. Go to our website, txvalues.org, and check that out. Also, our Faith, Family, and Freedom Gala is coming up on November 13th. Matthew West, all right, award-winning Christian singer, Matthew West, is going to be our special guest. He's going to do an, a live in-person performance and he does some great Christian music. He's got some uh, number one singles out that are right now. He's up for some awards this year. November 13th, go to txvalues.org. Get your tickets to the Texas Faith Family and Freedom Gala. It's going to be an incredible event. I'm super excited. I mean, Matthew West did a show for us here in 
uh, September in the Austin area, and it was fantastic. All right, this event will sell out. We've only got 300 seats, all right, because of social distancing and safety protocols. We're only going to fit so many people in this room. You don't want to be left out. We've already sold over half the tickets. Only three weeks left. That is November 13th, txvalues.org. Get your tickets now to the Texas Faith Family and Freedom Gala. We're going to have a great time. And there's going to be a lot being talked about about the elections. But no matter how any of the elections turn out, we're going to have a great event at the Weston Gallery in Dallas. So we've got people coming from all across the state. We're going to have some elected officials there, some special guests we're going to announce as we get closer. And we've got an award of our own that we're going to give out, the Kelly Shackelford Award. This is someone who's done work on the issue of faith, family, and freedom over the past year like no other. You want to make sure you're there when this person gets recognized. Who knows who's listening? You might be that person, right? You may not be aware of it. So go to TXValues.org, get your tickets today. We're going to have a great time at the Faith, Family, and Freedom Gala, and we're going to raise some money for the work that we're doing on these important issues of religious liberty, marriage and family, and life. Uh, Look, next week, still early voting continues, all right? Polls are open 7 to 7, and typically during early voting, you can go to any location, any polling location within your county. On election day, there's usually only one place that you can go. So a lot of freedom and flexibility right now of where you can go But and next week. But when we get to the main election day, Tuesday, November 3rd, you're going to run out of options, okay? And you're only going to have one. So try to go now when you've got more flexibility and freedom to do that. And vote biblical values. I can't even say it. It's V to a B. Vote biblical values. Find out where the candidates stand on the life issue. Vote for those pro-life, pro-religious liberty, pro-family candidates. And we'll have some tremendous updates for you next week on the Texas Values Report.